When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Looking for health insurance coverage? Medical Mutual's individual and family health plans have you covered with $0 select preventive drugs, $0 on-demand telemedicine, a wellness rewards program, and access to thousands of healthcare providers located throughout Ohio. Plus, most plans include MedMutual Pet, a pet wellness service at no additional cost. You also may qualify for subsidies that can be used to help pay your monthly premium. Visit MedMutual.com slash EnrollACA to find a plan today. More than two years have gone by since Louisville won its last road game. Do you remember where you were the last time Louisville won a road game? And do you remember who it was, who it was against? I think I had just graduated third grade, uh, Mrs. Scott's <laughs> class, the last time that we had won a, a road game. I mean, for real, I, I have no memories of our last road victory, to be completely honest with you. I think I was just... We are practicing for kindergarten graduation, I think. Mm-hmm. No, in all seriousness, Louisville did not won a game in more than two years. The last win was January 2nd, 2022, against Georgia Tech. A Josh Pastner led Georgia Tech. Of course, who would it be? Anyone other than Josh Pastner. Miami had won 25 of its last 26 games at home, which just makes things even crazier. They were undefeated 9 0 on the season. At home, Kenny Payne had never won a road game his entire life as head coach. Uh, Louisville had seven scholarship players. They started Hersey Miller, who's a walk-on, who had only played 16 minutes the entire season coming into the game. Miami returned a pretty good portion of its 2023 Final Four team. Uh, Maybe the most improbable win of the college basketball season belongs to Louisville at Miami, which begs the question – uh, you know, what happened? Is Louisville starting to turn things around? Is this a complete aberration? Uh, and, and and what do we take from this and how do we go forward? All that and more. It's the Starting 502 podcast brought to you by Mr. and Mrs. Bourbon. My name is Preston Meyer. Jake Hook, of course, alongside. 
makeshift studio set up today, but we're making it happen for you guys. Jake, did you expect to sit down and watch the entirety of this game last night and really take it in? Or what was your setup like? And uh, what were your expectations with like two minutes left in the game? I always watch every single game to the bitter end, maybe with like 50 seconds, 50 seconds left when Louisville's down by 21 to Virginia, I'll go ahead and turn it off when I know there's just absolutely no chance, but I'll, I'll stick with it to the, to the bitter end of it. I know we were at, we were at the Yum Center watching Louisville play New Mexico state. I think we were, it's like the last game we had won before this game. It feels like it that way at least. And uh, we're down by like six with like a minute left to go. And my mom and dad are with me and they're like, let's just go ahead and leave. Come on, let's leave. I was like, no, 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 no. We got a chance. We got a chance. And turns out we did. We had to foul out seven of their players to get that victory, but we did have a chance. So I plan to stick through it. I think Miami was up by like 10 at one point in the second half. And I just thought, yep, this is it. We, we, we were competitive. We've shown what we've shown all year, which is we can compete with a team in spurts, but we really can't ever put it together. But I was wrong. Happily, happily wrong. Dude, let me paint the scene for you. Uh, so I, I'm in Las Vegas right now, and we finished up a little bit early, Vegas time. You know, we, we've been trying to navigate, right? Like, when do we uh, record and what time is that for each of us? Because I'm on Vegas time, West Coast time. You're on Central time. You're just trying to, to, to navigate that was an adventure in and of itself. But I was like, look, I'm not going to let uh, Louisville about to be blown out by Miami affect the free time that I have while I'm not working here. Let's go to the strip. Let's have some fun. Let's have some good old fashioned Vegas fun. Uh, I got the, you know, got the Paul Rogers call on in the car on my way to the strip. Uh, I'm walking, you know, I'm, I'm listening and becoming increasingly optimistic, but knowing what's probably going to happen. And like you suggested, Jake, you know, when, when Miami is up by 10 points with, I don't know, 12 minutes left, something like that. You're thinking, okay, well, you know, it was a good run. At least, you know, we're seeing them give some concerted effort, which we don't always see. Players had reportedly said that they, you know, they kind of stuck their neck out for Coach Payne and said that they wanted to play for him. They didn't want to play for an interim coach. Um, and then pretty much proceeded to not play like they wanted Kenny Payne to be the coach for the next, like, three games uh, that was not the case at all against Miami. So here I am walking around a very busy Las Vegas. They have the most busy conference of the year apparently right now. Uh, so, I mean, literally I have to be on no less than 7,000 Asian men's phones uh, as I'm walking around the v Venetian uh, watching this little Miami game on my phone because nobody obviously in Nevada has the ACC network. So I'm literally just sitting here listening to Italian men row through the canals of the Venetian hotel while I'm watching Mike James and Brandon Huntley Hadfield uh, go off at Miami. Uh, still truly just the most improbable uh, sequence of events. I didn't even finish plan on finishing watching that game. I thought it was over, uh, but I mean, the resiliency that they showed, like this is what you expect from Louisville basketball, right? But let's not, you know, beat around the bush. Miami is a very good team. And I don't think that Miami I don't think they played up to their standards that they set last year with their final four team, but I saw somebody post that it was kind of like Miami was playing with its food a little bit. Uh, and, and in a sense, I agree with that because it seemed like they were just kind of chucking threes in the first half. But uh, the, the reality was Louisville did a really good job 
uh, of keeping uh, Miami in check in the half court. The only time that Miami really got on these long runs was when they were able to get like long rebounds, get an outlet pass. And basically they were just slicing and dicing up the middle, especially at the start of the second half. Uh, and, and that was much of what we've seen in the Kenny Payne era in a sense. Uh, but Louisville found a way to basically not allow, I mean, that that's their strength, right? They, you know, defend at a solid clip, shoot the hell out of the ball from beyond the arc. Uh, and, and they're really, really solid in transition. Louisville took away that transition game, kind of mucked it up a little bit on, on the defensive end. Uh, and it seemed to work. Looking, at, looking back at the stats, rewatched the game this morning. and You're a sicko. Oh, truly one of the sickest people there is. But at least it, I, I've rewatched losses, which it makes me even sicker. At least this was a victory. But you go back Sick and watch it, and I mean, we st- the effort was definitely up. And I think that's because we stayed competitive. We never got down 15, 18, and just completely got out of the game. But we still saw a lot of the issues that have plagued this team the whole entire year, giving up open threes, struggling to defend in transition, turning the ball over, especially in the first half. I think we had like nine turnovers in the first like 12 minutes. That ended up only being 11, which was huge. That's a big reason why we were able to get a victory. And we also had 17 assists. I really can't remember the last time we had 17 assists and 11 turnovers, like that positive of an assist to turnover ratio. I mean, that's ginormous. And us hitting 10 threes when we normally hit five. So, I mean – I think the team still had those issues that we've seen, but the effort was up, which allowed us to not turn the ball over as much, get more rebounds, not allow as many offensive rebounds, not turn the ball over as much. And then also, I mean, we hit a ton of threes, which we don't normally do. And Brandon Huntley Hatfield was unstoppable. I mean, truly anytime you needed an easy basket, it was Mike James in the first half scoring 16 of our 18, but in that second half, it was Brandon Huntley Hatfield being able to get good post position and really being able to take on any Miami defender that they threw his way. And for some reason, Jim Laranaga just refused to ever double him. I don't know at what point was it like 25 points he was going to have to get before he was going to send a double to Huntley Hatfield's way. I don't know. I'm, I'm glad he certainly glad he didn't. But I mean, love that we got a victory, but I still think we saw a lot of the same issues that we've seen all year with just some exceptional performances from behind three point line from Mike James, from Brandon Huntley-Hatfield. You know, it it brings me back to what Rick Pitino used to say, and it's that when a team is shooting well, it kind of hides or fixes a multitude of of wounds or a multitude of issues, right? Uh, And I remember very vividly Pitino coming into press conferences after Louisville just blown a team out by 25 or 30 and being, you know, almost irate at the way that his team played because he understood that, your team isn't going to come out and shoot 50 percent from the three point line every single game. Uh, and, and oftentimes we saw that when on, on, in those Patino coach teams, when the shots stopped falling, then the defense, you know, kind of fell to the wayside as well. You know, those weaknesses that didn't appear to the average fan, but he knew uh, that that if they didn't shore those things up, then when the shots aren't falling, then his team was potentially going to lose. Uh, so that that was kind of what it felt like over the, really the last two games, right? Uh, they're shooting 45% in the last two games against Pittsburgh uh, and, and then at Miami. Uh, so it's really fascinating to see how things can change just when your shots start, start falling. Um, and, and really what, what stood out to me as well Uh, was the play of Curtis Williams. Uh, So against Miami, they had 
a starting five that included Danilo, which by the way, I don't know why Danilo was such a hard name to pronounce. Everybody says Donilo. Like, where do you, where are you looking at that name and thinking that Donilo is how you pronounce this man's name? Uh, rant over on that. But yeah, starting Danilo Jovanovic and then starting Hersey Miller, uh, which again was a bit head scratching, especially because they waited 11 minutes to put in Tyler Johnson. Once they put him in, uh, he was incredibly effective for Louisville. So kind of a weird sequence of events, but it seemed, you know what, they won, it worked, so whatever. But regardless, once Curtis Williams came into the game, he impacted the game in ways that he had not yet this season. Uh, we all know that he's an excellent shooter, but really he's kind of turned into like a freshman year Ryan McMahon, if you will. And Curtis, Curtis Williams was not impacting this game or the games for Louisville in ways that a forward needs to, right? Uh, he does not rebound the ball at all. Uh, and really hadn't had many assists on the season. He had seven assists in 13 games going into the Miami game. He had five al- alone at Miami. That's that's the kind of play that you need out of Curtis Williams. Uh, Caleb Glenn, another guy that was, was really impactful down the stretch, quality rebounds, excellent on defense. It's really fascinating to see the way that that Payne and the staff are are managing this roster because – the guys that started the game and the guys that started the second half are, are not the guys that finished the game. Uh, and so uh, that was kind of fascinating for me to, to see. But Louisville is going to need that play from Curtis Williams. You know, it's going to be Mike James, of course, when you come out and you score 16 points in the first, what, eight minutes. Uh, and, and basically, I mean, he's taking heat check shots uh, from, you know, the top of the key on the on the fast break. I thought that was interesting. Um, everybody's going to remember that as the game that Mike James kind of went off and then Brandon Holly Hatfield kind of put it away, uh, down low. However, I felt like it was those role players like Curtis Williams who made such a massive impact. Uh, and, and Williams is a guy, he was playing the two a little bit, uh, against Miami. Uh, he was that second guard and he's a guy, uh, that can, he has great handles. He can put the ball on the floor. He can, he can impact the game in a multitude of ways. And I'm excited to see that he's, you know, not playing like a, a three-point shooting role player. Like We don't need Curtis Williams to be Kyle, Kyle Corver. We need Curtis Williams to be, you know, a guard slash forward. We need him to be a guy who can cut, who can slash, who can get into the paint, who can rebound the ball. I mean, you can't you can't be a forward, especially on, on this roster uh, and, and the limitations that it has. You can't have his role and not rebound the, the ball at a high rate. Like you can't have Tyler Johnson out rebounding you. And then that's what's been happening. Uh, and he has to be able to impact the game by moving the ball well. And I feel like Curtis kind of impacted the game uh, in, in a special way because he is able to make those entry passes as a taller, longer type of player uh, that that some, some other guards on a team are not able to do. Uh, so I was really impressed with the way that he played uh, and – I think that he is making a statement that he's a much more valuable piece on this team than Danilo Jovanovic, which again, I don't understand the the fascination with all of a sudden putting him in the starting lineup and having him play so many minutes. I, I just, I don't understand why that guy's playing 25 minutes against Kentucky. Uh, so with, with, with all that in mind, what, what kind of stood out to you um, outside of, of kind of the obvious of Mike James and, and BHH? Yeah, I mean, I think the role players stepping up is huge, and I, they have to for us to be competitive right now. When you've got 
We've heard on the broadcast, I can't tell you how many times, seven scholarship players, in case you haven't heard it enough from Seth Greenberg and all the other broadcasters that we've had over the last few games. But, I mean, these role players that – I mean, Caleb Glenn, Curtis Williams were playing 10 minutes a night to start the year. If that, Caleb Glenn wasn't even playing five minutes a night. So, I mean, the ability for them to step up and fill in, play impactful minutes and fill in their roles I think is really big. Caleb Glenn is, like, the only dude that I'm confident that will actually grab a rebound. Seems like we get guys boxing out but not actually getting finishing the rebound or they'll tip it out and they like fumble it amongst themselves. So like it's great to see him playing hard on the defensive end and ending possessions for us, which is something we struggle with so much. And it's big. Curtis Williams, like you said, I want to say in that very first game that we played exhibition against Simmons College or was it was that an exhibition or is that a real game? That was an exhibition, right? Simmons was an exhibition. Simmons College. I think he had five assists. And he actually looked like a playmaker, a guy who could put the ball on the ground and not only be a jump shooter and a shot maker, but also a guy who could facilitate for others. Um, but we have not seen that like at any point in the season, really until tonight, the five assists kind of caught me off guard seeing, seeing it on the stat line. But I mean, he definitely was because the shot really wasn't falling. He was four of 12 in the field, but it was nice to see him actually produce for others and play, make and facilitate. Um, he's still got to learn how to play defense and rebound. That will be something that, he has to do to continue to get 30 plus minutes a night, but it was nice to see his confidence kind of rise and him impact the game in other ways. I thought Sky played all right. I don't know what's up with him. Like he has such a knack for getting by people, but once he gets into the paint, it's just like there's no touch at the rim. Like, I mean, I can't imagine, I can't count how many times he had bunny layups or he had little floaters he could pull up and hit. He just could not get anything to fall. And it's not just this game. He struggles to score, especially if there's defensive help, really, this whole entire season. And then the, there'll be three or four times a game where he'll just drive in and have, lose a ball or get contact and lose it and turn the ball over. So, I mean, he played hard, six rebounds, six assists. So I don't want to knock the guy. Still put up nine points. But definitely frustrating to see that kind of talent and not be able to finish around the paint or play make around the paint. Um, but overall, just happy to get a victory. Don't really know why Hersey started and only played six minutes. It just It's odd to me. I don't really think he deserved more than six minutes tonight, but it was just strange in general. And when it comes to D'Lo, I think the only reason he's starting is because of the size. Because, my God, I was a fan of D'Lo's early on in the year. I thought he was playing hard, which is something that we weren't seeing from everybody, and he was boxing out, and he was trying to be in the right position. My God, this man just cannot do anything. I mean, he gets himself in position for a layup, smokes it off the backboard, doesn't even hit the rim, gets himself in position for an offensive rebound, smacks it out of bounds, tips it to the other team, has a chance for a for a defensive stop, calls a dude. It's just like this man cannot do anything correct in the basketball floor. So uh, I understand why he has to play right now until Trey White comes back. We're probably going to see him 10, 15 minutes a night. But, man, is it is it a frustrating 10 to 15 minutes? It's really difficult to gauge what Louisville thinks we're getting out of Danilo besides just a body, but – I think that you can manipulate and move around the roster a little bit and, and get a lot more value out of other players, especially if you're resorting to things like starting a Hersey Miller. Uh, I mean, but, you know, you have a Caleb Lynn on the roster who is, has been effective um, a lot. And he, he's not like some of these other freshmen that uh, are, you know, not knowing where they're supposed to be, getting blown by on defense. Uh, he really seems like, he is mentally with it and competent and confident um, in, in his game. So I would like to see them continuing to push, you know, the other freshmen like Curtis Williams, like Caleb Glenn, like Tyler Johnson, 
uh, and, and trying to see how they can impact the game with, with those guys. Um, now, now going forward, looking ahead to NC state and beyond, I guess my question is, you know, what, what was the difference in, 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 in a few of these games where Louisville has looked more than comp- competent? I mean, the reality is they should have beaten Texas earlier this season. And I think the, the, the season kind of hinged on one last second shot, one buzzer beater against Texas, because they really hadn't looked the same since then. We've seen flashes. They played really well for the first 10 minutes against Kentucky and then really poorly for like eight or 10 minutes. And then the game was pretty much over. And so it's, you know, how do you get this consistency in this type of play every single time? And Mike James said it after the game, you know, we, this is the bar, this, we cannot play below this standard for the rest of the season. And and so I'm trying to kind of find commonalities between IU, uh, Texas, uh, this Miami game, like what, what are the commonalities? Because you also have like that game that you mentioned against New Mexico state, they had no business winning that game. They pulled that game out of their ass and the opposing team who, by the way, didn't have a team at the end of last year uh, because of some crazy shit that's like out of a movie, the opposing team finished with four players. And <laughs> that's not why you won, but it's, it's, it's part of a, a bigger picture story, right? So how do you get less or none of that in New Mexico State, uh, the team that played against New Mexico State, and a lot more of what you saw against Miami, which was, I mean, if you, if you had no context, if those teams were zero and zero, uh, you would look at Louisville and Miami and think that those are two teams that are pretty evenly matched. Miami clearly has a lot more athleticism, size, uh, I would say even more speed. They're a more skilled shooting team. Uh, however, Louisville has the athletes. They have the dogs to, to run with a team like Miami. They have the ability to, to beat the, clearly, to beat those types, types of teams. So I guess my question is going forward, how do they maintain that standard? Do you, do you have any, do you see any commonalities? I mean, the, the one thing that I really pick out is that those, all those games are on the road. Uh, they, they haven't played like that at home for more than, well, as you suggested, that stretch against Kentucky. Uh, there's one other game this season, and I can't remember who the opponent was, and I apologize, uh, where it really felt like Louisville kind of just had their shit together. I think it was Pepperdine where they they really just kind of from start to finish really just put them away and played a really quality game. I believe it was that Pepperdine game. Uh, but but again, Pepperdine is outside of the Kempom top 200, right? And so now you're getting into conference play. You're playing Miami, who's a top 50 Kempom team. And now you're going to face NC State, who uh, I believe is 67th in Kempom, 52nd in adjusted defense, 90th in adjusted offense, um, so, so kind of take your pick there. What, how, how does Lowell continue this going forward and, and, and can they against an NC state team? I mean, I think it's the commonality there is you almost feel it when the game starts, it's a sense of belief and it's, it's a presence of effort that isn't always there when you play against New Mexico state to start, or when you play against a Coppin state or a Chattanooga. Um, and I think it's that continued sense of belief as the game pre- progresses on. Cause I mean, I think you saw it for the first 10 minutes against UK, we believed that we could compete and we did, but then five minutes of bad basketball play turns into a 30 point loss. And so I think it's just that continued sense of belief that prolonged throughout the game that we have not seen 
for most of the season. And I think the most telling part of that was there was like seven minutes left to go in the game. It's a tie ball game, maybe like 62-62. Mike James gets it, top of the key. This goes head down, left-handed dribble, goes up, finishes through contact, layup. And you've got Sky Clark not running back, but slinking back, kind of hanging out behind that guard. And as soon as that ball is inbounded, Sky Clark's there. Extra effort play, gets the steal. Looks like he's going to take a tough contested reverse layup. Instead, kicks it out to Mike James. Mike James, I mean, he's hit four threes at that point. He could have easily just gone one step back, shot a contested three. But instead, he sees Matthew Cleveland coming out on him, kicks it back out to Sky, corner three. And that's a huge difference. That's a 5-0 swing. And I think Miami ended up going back on their own 5-0 run. So it's tied up 67-67. But without those huge effort plays, we're down five points with five minutes left to go. And I really don't have confidence that this team stays in it and has the self-belief to win this game. So I really think it is effort, but it's not just beginning the game with effort. It's lasting the whole entire game with effort and having this belief that we are talented enough to compete with whoever it is, NC State, Miami, Pittsburgh, whoever it is. Yeah, I mean, confidence is so important. And you realize when you see a game like how they played against Miami – that they they have not been playing with confidence. They haven't been playing with conviction. Uh, and I think a lot of that kind of goes back to the coaching staff. You know, we heard we, – we hear every single post game. Uh, and even in, in some of these preview press conferences, right, Kenny Payne says, well, I told him this, I told him that. Like, if, if my boss uh, goes to his boss and says, uh, you know, well, I'm really trying to get him to, to perform this way, but he's just not. His boss isn't going to accept that as an excuse. It's, it's his job as my boss to make sure that I'm executing in the areas that I'm supposed to. I like the parallel of a teacher. You know, if you're a kindergarten teacher and, you know, one of one of the, the members of your classroom just isn't they're just not getting it. They're just not able to learn how to say their ABCs. And but the rest of the class is right then the, the, the obvious takeaway is, okay, well, this is a, a solid teacher with a student who maybe needs a little bit more time or to take a, a different direction. But when, when it's the entire class, the entire class just is not learning their ABCs, well, then that seems more like a you problem as, as the teacher. So I like that parallel. Kenny Payne is constantly saying, oh, you, well, we tell them this, we tell them that. And people ask him very direct questions and he answers their question with a question and asks them, you know, how would you feel if this happened? Well, Kenny, you make over $3 million a year to have the answers to those questions and to get the players to perform the way uh, that, that, that they're supposed to. And I understand it really comes down to, okay, do shots go in for the other team and not for us? Do they go in for us and not the other team? I understand it comes down to that, but ultimately you're responsible for that, right? Like if, if it's a, if it's a football coach, if Jeff Brom has receivers that just cannot catch the ball, like they, it's just for whatever reason, they just have butterfingers. Well, I mean, maybe that's recruiting, maybe that's coaching, maybe that's the way that you're teaching. Like the, you can't make excuses as a coach, it is your sole job to win games. And so I think that we finally saw against Miami a, a, a different approach from the coaching staff. There's a clear difference in the way that in their body language and the way that 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 they're, uh, you know, communicating with with the players on, on the floor. I thought that there was a distinct difference against Miami. I felt like Kenny Payne was showing a little bit more passion, but in different ways it felt like Kenny was coaching with conviction and in, in past games, we really hadn't seen that. I know 
it, it, it might sound silly and we don't really know what's going on behind the scenes, but clearly there was something different. Clearly we saw a coaching staff that was making all of the right moves as far as substitutions, as far as timeouts, as far as play calling, and they were getting the players to execute on all of those things. And I, I thought that there was I, – I, did, did you see the same thing on your end, Jake? Yeah, I mean, the execution was definitely a little bit higher than what we nor- normally see, and I think that's evident, 17 assists, 11 turnovers. That's not the type of execution that we're used to seeing this year. Another thing I noticed is with these guys that were playing minutes, J.J., Trey White, Manny Okorafor, now on the bench, there seems to be more energy throughout the team. Because, like, you see, like, whenever we had that 5-0 run with Mike James layup and then the Sky Clark three, like, the bench is going crazy. It's not just Aiden McCool over there now. And I know that's not the reason we won the game, but, like, that is infectious. Like, that gives you a sense of belief when you come over to your bench and you have the coaching staff up and you have players being like, hell yeah, good shot, Mike. Or, like, hey, it's okay, like, consoling him if he does something wrong. Like, that is huge, and that's not something that we've seen really for much of the year. But now with Trey White on the bench, now with Manny, now with J.J., guys that were engaged with this program, it feels like they're staying engaged on the bench, which is silly and probably not going to result in like direct wins, but that's still big. And I think that was kind of evident in the game as well. Yeah, absolutely, man. And, you know, looking, looking ahead, I just want to see that continue. And that's why I would implore fans, you know, you don't have to support KP. We all know what the reality of the situation is, right? You don't have to necessarily support him being the coach now or in the future, but you, I think we do have an obligation as fans, if you have the means to, to go out and support the players. I mean, because we're finally getting the standard that, that's been set at Louisville. I, I think that they should be rewarded for that. I think that we should, you know, if you, if you, again, if you have the means, if you're able to get tickets, if you're able to be at the UM Center on Saturday at noon, I think you should do so. I think you should show support, get there, cheer loud, have a couple beers, enjoy your Saturday afternoon. Uh, and, and, and I mean, that's that's what we'll, we'll be doing. We'll have four there. And I, I've heard a lot of people say the same thing. You know, I don't often go to games. I don't often, you know, pay attention. But th- this is this is something where you can have an impact on the team. And you talked about that in, infectious spirit of the team against Miami. I, I think that that's something that you can carry when they come back home. Uh, and, and I think if, you know, I, I know the sounds. It, it hurts to even talk about it like this, but there's been four or five, 6,000 people at the last few games. If you can get 10 there, that's going to make a huge difference. The players will notice that. They'll feel that energy. They'll feel that atmosphere, that environment. We'll be right back after this commercial break. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Starting 502 brought to you by Mr. and Mrs. Bourbon. As you might know, it's the official brand of the one and only Russ Smith. What you might not know, Mr. and Mrs. is becoming a national and global brand, shaking things up in the bourbon industry. Like basketball, bourbon has long been a passion for Russ. Dating back to his college days, he studied and learned 
under some of the more renowned master distillers in the area, Mr. and Mrs., is more than a passion project. It's a culmination of a de decade of painstaking work. Mr. and Mrs. is for everyone. From a more traditional 90 proof to a cash strength that's smoother than 2013, Russ going to the hole, and boy, could we use that right now. Mr. and Mrs. Bourbon covers tastes, all different tastes of preferences, six different bourbons that they're offering. Be among the first to try Mr. and Mrs. Bourbon, the official bourbon of State of Louisville and the Starting 502 podcast on shelves anywhere you find your liquor and now online at Mr. and Mrs. Bourbon.com. Go check it out today. Looking ahead to NC State very quickly, this is a team that's been kind of up and down this season. Uh, they are 11 and 4 on the season. They are 2 and 1 on the road, but they're 3 and 1 in conference. They just suffered their first loss uh, against North Carolina. Uh, and, and the one thing that, that I'll say about NC State is that they're a little bit different than Miami in a sense that they're not great offensively. They've won a lot of muck em up games, uh, but they're really good on defense. They're 34th uh, in defensive efficiency, according to Ken Pomeroy. Some of their wins, obviously, in the early season, not super impressive. Uh, they have a, a close win over Vanderbilt. They have a loss to BYU. They got boat raced by Ole Miss. Uh, a win in overtime against Boston College. Um, a kind of close, probably too close of a win against uh, UT Martin. A loss uh, against Tennessee on a neutral site. But then they've kind of started to string some solid wins off. Uh, 82 to 70 over St. Louis. 83 to 66 over Detroit. 54 to 52 over at Notre Dame. And then a big one, 76 to 70 at home against Virginia. Uh, so there's a reason there was a lot of hype going into the NC State North Carolina game because NC State at that point is a, a fringe top 25 team. North Carolina is obviously a very quality uh, uh, opponent. They end up losing by 13 uh, to North Carolina at home. Uh, so takeaways, Jake, from, from hearing that, I, I, this is a game where Louisville's, they're going to have to continue to hit shots if, if they want to win this game, in my opinion, because they're not going to get into the lane um, at will like they did against Miami. Uh, they're they're, they're going to have to avoid turning the ball over, and they're going to have to hit shots, continue shooting with confidence. Any thoughts heading into this game? Yeah, I don't want to sit here and lie and tell you that I'm the, the resident Wolfpack expert. I've seen them. I watched them play a little bit yesterday against North Carolina. I know they're really transfer heavy um, and they're like don't have one star player like an R.J. Davis or like an Armando Baycott where you're like, man, if he if you stop him, you stop them. I think they've got five guys that average double figures. So I mean, a really well-balanced team and kind of like anti-Miami. I think Miami was giving up like 90 points per game, I think is what I read. Um, and they mm -hmm. do not at all like they're a top 40 team defensively but they're not nearly as skilled offensively. So it's going to be a completely different style of basketball than what we saw against Miami. Can the cards adjust to that and hopefully play even with them? I mean, if we see what we saw on Wednesday, then hell yeah. I, I have confidence that we can beat this team, start to have maybe a little bit more confidence as a fan base, uh, but it will be, it'll be a completely different challenge. It'll, it'll be a lot grittier of a game than what we saw against Miami. And I mean, they just held Armando Baycott uh, last night to uh, 9.5 boards. I mean, so I don't know, if, I don't know if BHH will be able to get us 22. I don't think they're just going to let them go one-on-one -on -one and dominate in the paint. So it's going to take a, a more extended exerted effort on defense and on offense to create good shots and hopefully stay competitive and win another game. 
Yeah, so their their leading uh, leading scorer, kind of leader of their team, is DJ Horn, uh, who's a transfer from Arizona State. Um, and then they do have a really quality uh, big man. That's DJ Burns. Um, he is 6'9", 260 pounds. Uh, he's a transfer. He, if you you might remember him playing at Tennessee, and then he played at Winthrop for three years. Uh, big South Player of the Year in 2022. Uh, two-time All Big South Player. Um, and he is... He's just a big boy that's going to be assertive in, in the paint. Now, if Louisville is able to get him in foul trouble or kind of negate his play, I, I think that's a guy that Brandon Huntley Hatfield matches up well with because he's much he, – Brandon Huntley Hatfield isn't like a, you know, bang you around in the post kind of guy. Like he has post moves, uh, but he's much more of a, a versatile type of player. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how Louisville kind of tries to navigate that um, this is not a crazy good rebounding team. Like when you look across the board, DJ Horn has 3.7 rebounds a game. DJ Burns, the guy that we just talked about, uh, five and a half rebounds per game at 6'9", 260. Uh, or excuse me, four and a half rebounds per game. Um, but a great passer out of the post, 2.7 assists per game. Um, but then, you know, you go down the list, Casey Marcel, 3.2 rebounds a game. Jaden Taylor, 3.8 rebounds per game. Dennis Parker Jr., uh, who is a, a forward on the squad, 4.4 rebounds per game. So not a lot of guys, you know, really crashing the crashing the boards, if you will. They kind of feel like a, a one-and-done type of offense. Like they don't score, they get back and and turn it into a half-court game. So I could very well see this being like a 55 to 50 type of game. Uh, that's kind of how I envision it. Going forward, I mean, I just – I don't know about you, Jake – final thoughts I just I really want to see that continued spirit that, that you spoke about you know it, it's it will be fascinating to watch if they can continue to shoot at the clip that they're shooting again 45 percent from beyond the arc over the last two games uh, NC State is allowing uh 33 percent from beyond the beyond the arc which is 194th in the country and they shoot 32 percent from beyond the arc so uh again this could be a very you know mucked up game if you will a game where you know you see just a lot of uh maybe bruising in the post a lot of just ugly offensive play uh if Louisville can continue to perform at the rate though that they did against Miami there's no reason that they can't win this game I think uh, it'll be very telling how the rest of the season is going to go. Um, if Louisville comes out on Saturday and isn't shooting as well as they have in the last couple of games, if they can still maintain that effort level and get gritty with it and play against a team that plays like this, that doesn't turn the ball over, that is going to have a slow possession, that can score like with really any player. There's not one guy you've got to watch out for. I think it'll be really interesting to see if we come out and we're not knocking down a ton of threes and it's, six to two, six minutes in like six minutes into the game. Like if we can still compete with that level of energy, I think one thing a lot of people are struggling with is like watching for this team, like watching this team, cheering for this team, but then still realize like not cheering for KP. Like I'm going to cheer for this team regardless. I still think that we need a new coach almost regardless of what happens the rest of the season, but I'm still going to be there cheering. I'm still going to want every game to be a victory for Louisville and want the best. So I think, Things need to come out and really just support the players. I would focus on that more than anything. 
Yeah, and, and to your point uh, about NC State, one final thought there. Uh, they are fourth in the country in turnovers given up. Now, they are 246th in the country in turnovers forced. Uh, however, I, I think a big reason why they've won a lot of games is because really they they turn the ball over about half as much as their opponents. And so this is very much going to be a half-court game. So it could be a situation where you see Louisville trying to speed things up a little bit, trying to get out on the break, uh, trying to force NC State out of their comfort zone. They're winning games by making this a, a half-court affair. And I'm not sure that that's how – Louisville wins games on offense, right? We saw that that when they made it a half-court game uh, for Miami that they really struggled. Uh, however, on the offensive end, they really need to create a bit more pace, a bit more havoc uh, in, in order to score the ball. Um, so that'll be something that, that I'm watching out for. Uh, as you suggested, Jake, look, like I, I'm not I, – I think the ship has probably sailed on talking about a third year for Kenny Payne. Uh, but if they win this game against NC State, I mean, they're, they're continuing to go into a very difficult schedule in, in ACC play. It's very front-loaded, as we talked about before the season. Kenny Payne could make it uncomfortable. He could make it un- an uncomfortable conversation. And that's not so- not something that I'm looking forward to talking about. In my opinion, I think that he, you know, we kind of missed the boat on on going into an interim situation right after the Kentucky game. Uh, however, you know, if they can win against NC State, if they can start putting the pieces together, you know, we're going to start having some uncomfortable conversations. You know, I don't think in any way it's acceptable for a little to be 500, but if they win this game, then they're sitting at, what, seven and nine on the season. The season is still in front of you. You know, if you can rattle off some wins against like an NC State of Virginia, uh, Virginia Tech, something like that, Boston College, then all of a sudden, you know, the, the conversation becomes uh, completely different than what it was, you know, 24, 48 hours ago. And so that's kind of what I'm looking for going into this game. Can they continue that play or was it more of an aberration? Yeah, I think, I mean, we saw it last year who would be Clemson. Is that right? Was it Clemson last season? Yes. Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, we, we've seen us – I mean, Clemson was okay last year. They weren't amazing by any means. Um, but, I mean, we've seen us compete at the ACC level and even get victories. So, I think this will be really telling because any team can shoot – I mean, double up on their normal three-point, three-pointers made a game and win a game. So, it'll be really telling to see if this can continue to happen. Uh, last note, I will say we've got a Coach's Son versus, Co- versus Coach's Son battle coming this Saturday. Zan Payne or Alexander Payne, as the uh, CW crew kept calling him, uh, not this game, but the Pittsburgh game, versus Kevin Keats' son, KJ Keats. So uh, we'll see uh, who gets the, the upper hand between KJ and Zan. My money is on KJ. <laughs> KJ Keats, 1.6 minutes per game, pretty much zeros across the stat line, though. So uh, we'll we'll see what I happens with the Zan KJ. It is interesting looking uh, across that NC State roster and seeing 16 guys that have played. God, could we use that depth right now? Uh, but anyways, until next time, make sure you grab yourself some Mr. and Mrs. Bourbon. Enjoy this feeling of, of winning. We have no idea when we're going to see another victory like that. Definitely won't be a win as improbable as the one at Miami on Wednesday night. 
we're looking forward to what this season might hold and maybe talking about some winning basketball yet to be determined but until next time starting 502 podcasts let's get out of here and go cards it is ryan here and i have a question for you what do you do when you win like are you a fist pumper a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too it's a thing and now the truth is out there i can tell you about my favorite place to have fun chumba casino they have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week you can play for free anytime anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses so join me in the fun sign up now at chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary btw void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.